listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure. Complex topics explained simply. From the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes. By way, the curbs and streets we design. City engineering touches your life in so many ways. Explained right now in Everyday Engineering. The iconic view from John Nolan Drive. You can't miss it. The Madison skyline along the water, beautiful Monona Terrace, and nothing taller than the Capitol. Yeah, anytime someone visits you in the Madison area, chances are you're taking them along John Nolan Drive. And of course, you see that spectacular view. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer, your host for this podcast. And joining me today is someone who knows quite a bit a lot about the most well-known street in our community. David Molenhoff, an author and Madison historian, joining us this morning. Thank you so much for your time. My great pleasure. What a cool topic to talk about. John Nolan Drive really does impact so many of us. And of course, is underway a major revamp here in the engineering division in the city. Construction won't start for a few years, but the history that got us here, Dave, is what we know John Nolan for so well. So it's so interesting after doing a few interviews with you um, to prep for this interview and for other pieces that we're going to be promoting. But just share with me a little bit your first take on this and really the gravity of this reconstruction project. How big of a deal is this project for our community? Hannah, I think this is a, a really big deal. Uh, first of all, we're upgrading the causeway roadway and the bridges so that uh, we'll have a, a safe place for bicyclists and pedestrians for the first time ever. Uh, we're going to add some new parkland to the central isthmus where it is most needed. Uh, it's going to allow people to go directly from the downtown to the lakeshore safely, conveniently, and beautifully, and for the first time in Madison history. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to clean stormwater before it gets into the lake. Thereby, we're going to improve lake water quality. And we're going to allow Madison to realize a goal that Nolan suggested for us way back in 1911. The John Nolan. The John Nolan, the (laughs) man after whom the street is named. Yes, of course. Tell me a little bit more about John Nolan. I mean, I think we all just say John Nolan Drive, but who was John Nolan? You've done a lot of research and a lot of work over the years. John Nolan was a very impressive man. He happened to be the first person to earn a living as an urban planner in the United States. Wow. He was born in 1869, and uh, he was orphaned at nine, so he was placed into an orphanage school where he graduated first in his class. And after that, he went to the Wharton School of Business, where he became committed to uh, the public sector and public improvements and municipal problems. And he graduated first in his class. And then he worked for 10 years for the University of Pennsylvania, heading up what they called the People's University. And he talked for 10 years to the best and the brightest people in the country who were there to talk about problems that the country faced. And from that experience, he reached an important conclusion. He felt that the greatest problems the United States faced were what he called municipal problems, urban problems in today's language. Mm -hmm. And so he did something pretty interesting after 10 years at the University of Pennsylvania. He got a ticket on a steamship and he went to Europe because he knew that in Europe, 
they had a different way of managing cities. And so he traveled all over Europe and he learned about the better way to manage cities. And he says, this is the future for the United States. And so he came back and he did something again, pretty amazing. He became a graduate student at Harvard University in the only place in the country where they taught anything about urban planning, and that was in their department of landscape architecture. So then he graduated first in his class, not surprising, you've heard that yeah. a time or two before, and he started his own private planning practice, and he immediately rose to the top. He became the premier urban planner in the country. He was hired by John Olin, after whom Olin Park is named, to be Madison city planner. And it's an interesting point, Hannah, because at that point in history in 1908, only a few people in Madison had ever heard of urban planning. None of the people on the Common Council had ever heard of anything like urban planning. Yeah. So John Olin had a problem selling the idea, but he did. <laughs> and so we ended up with John Nolan doing a comprehensive plan for Madison. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Wow. What an impressive journey that JN was. I mean, that's pretty, I feel like I got to call him John Nolan every single time. I feel like it's like one of those names that you just have to say both every time. Well, you know, we all use the term, the John Nolan Drive, John yeah. Nolan Drive, but it's important to know who this impressive man was. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and 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 you should think of John Nolan um, every time you you bike, you walk, you drive. Let's talk about the skyline. I know we dig into, you know, different parts of this history, but the skyline of Madison is so memorable, so important. It's on every photo, every postcard, every memory when you're on the lake, when you're driving. When we spoke in an earlier interview, you mentioned we should thank John Nolan for the skyline. Can you share more about why that is? I would be happy to. When John Nolan came here in 1908, Madison was building its first skyscraper. Today we call it the Churchill Building, and it's right next to Grace Episcopal Church. And he said, uh-oh, there's a problem. Because he could see in the future. He was a card-carrying visionary, remember? He, sure. he knew that if we allowed skyscrapers to be built around the Capitol Square, that it would only be a question of time before the Capitol Dome— the capital, the reason for Madison's existence, would be totally obscured by buildings. And so he urged Madisonians to pass a law that would prohibit any building in Madison one mile from the capital to be any taller than the base of the Capitol Dome. This caused a furor among certain hotel owners who wanted to build taller than that. Mm -hmm. However, the Madison people kept following his advice Nolan's advice, and they introduced a bill to the state legislature that said, thou shalt not be any building taller than this particular amount. <clears throat> well, um, the, city, the state attorney general said, I'm sorry you can't do that because you are using, you can only use zoning for safety and health purposes. Sure. He says, but I want to use it for an aesthetic purpose mm -hmm. to maintain the beauty of the skyline. So I went to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin and for the first time in American history, the, that decision allowed zoning to be used for an aesthetic purpose. And so from that day until this, we have the privilege of seeing the Capitol Dome when we drive into Madison. And that's why I say, when I bring my guests <laughs> along one of the entrances to the city, thank you, John Nolan. Yep. I just love that. And it truly is 
Yeah, thank you to John Nolan. Every time as people are listening to this episode, you just thank John. You thank John for that because, you know, it really does make a difference. I mean, if we we see how cities grow and certainly Madison is growing, um, but we can preserve that beautiful view. That's fantastic. You know, let's talk a little bit chronologically as much as we can and sprinkle in whatever you'd like, um, Dave. But like from the beginning, let's touch on a few things. So like the design, I, I think the design has been an idea for a lot of people um when it first was constructed you know to now there's been a lot of ideas thrown on the table on what it should look like um including you know now that we're 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 reconstructing john nolan and we're working with different city agencies to to make this happen um can you talk a little bit about the evolution of the design a bit and where we kind of came from where we're going or anything you think is worth mentioning. I'd, I'd be happy to. Uh, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that this book, it was published in 1911, just sparkled with exciting ideas from Madison. It talked about housing for the poor. It talked about the need for an arboretum. It talked about the need for a zoning code. It talked about the great importance of getting more lakeshore land for the people, for parks. And of course, it talked about increasing the size of the campus. But the most the biggest, the most important idea that John Nolan had in his plan was the need to make it possible for people in the downtown area to go to the lake shore, the Lake Monona, of course, safely, conveniently, and beautifully. And so when he first came here, he said, wow, this city has extraordinary potential. It could be one of the most beautiful lakefronts in the world. But dear me, he said <laughs> politely to Madison leaders, you really have screwed this up. At that point, there were four railroad tracks along the lakeshore and nothing else. And of course, that made uh, the whole lakeshore ugly. And if you wanted to get to the lake, you had to cross four railroad tracks. And then after you did that, there was no park there. There was nothing. So his idea was to create a big, beautiful park. And when I say big, I mean 60 acres that would require filling the lakeshore in about 600 feet. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the question then is, how do you get through there and do it safely? Right. So Nolan's solution was pretty simple. He said, let's build a big platform along over the railroad tracks, mm-hmm. and let's do it where the Monona Terrace Convention Center is located today. And then he connected that platform with a series of stairs cascading down to this big new park. So it was absolutely gorgeous. And it's the concept that has been in civic leaders' minds literally for decades, but we've never realized it. What happened, unfortunately, is that instead of creating a big, beautiful park, it became primarily used as a transportation corridor. Mm -hmm. In the 1930s and 40s, they started to fill the land as John Nolan wanted, and Law Park was the name they attached to it because the mayor was named John Law at the time. But then they decided, now that we have it filled, what should we use it for? And because there were so many cars, the answer was, well, we'll use it as a four-lane expressway as a way to get through the city. So unfortunately, instead of becoming a park, it became a transportation corridor. 
And it still functions in that way today. If you look at Law Park from the air, it's pretty disappointing because most of the park is a sliver of land. You hardly see any green if you take a picture in the summertime. Only about 50, it's only about 50 feet wide in many places. And it is located in a part of our city that is most park deficient. So the point is, we clearly need to have more parkland. We have to have better recreational opportunities and a safer, better way to get to the lake. So that's kind of where we are. That's our opportunity. Dave, this is not easy to fit all of those things, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's it. there wasn't a lot of space then, and there's not a lot of space now. But somehow, we got to somehow make it all work and make it beautiful. I can see how... John Nolan was was raising those points, you know, that the railroad and everything like that really impacted the beauty of it. And I can also see the side of where, you know, city leaders are also trying to make it useful and necessity and what do we need? Um, so I, there is a push and pull there. And there are a lot of opinions on the design. There are also some really cool old ideas that, you know, I think as we move into the ideas chunk of this, some cool ideas that people were bringing up, like I think we talked about, you know, maybe fountains or anything like that. I mean, there's there's all of these different ideas that have been thrown on the table, but obviously we don't see fountains in the front or in the water along John Nolan. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the some of the cool ideas that have been thrown out on the table and maybe we're we're considering or even just listening and making sure that we're aware of those and know that, hey, we can think outside the box. Well, we can, and other cities are doing it. Dallas is doing it. Seattle is doing it. Dozens of other cities are doing it. And basically what they're doing is saying, you know, there's valuable land, if we create it, on top of these in many cases, urban expressways and mm -hmm. big railroad tracks and so forth. Mm -hmm. So what cities are doing elsewhere in the country is something we ought to consider here, and that is to build a platform on air rights over the railroad tracks and John Nolan Drive and to put a big park on top of it. We need the park space. It would create uh, at least five acres of new parkland. And when you think about the things that could happen there, I get excited. Um, we, we need to connect that platform to the lake, and we can do that with a gradual lawn going down to the lake. And along that lake shore, we can have a place where people can rent kayaks and canoes and sailboards, a place where people can swim, a place where people can be, little kids can be taught how to fish, for example. <laughs> uh, we can use it as an educational opportunity, Hannah, because one of the neat things about Madison is that at one time, it was uh, probably the capital of a Native American civilization known as the Mound Builders. There are more mounds around the Madison Lakes, a greater concentration than anywhere else in North America. That's a pretty fancy fact. And it gives us an opportunity in a park like this, where most people will be able to see this kind of information, what that civilization was all about, what those mounds were about. So there's an educational opportunity. And I get excited, too, because I think about how wonderful it would be for people who live and work downtown to walk along a promenade high above the lake on the top of that platform. You could have your lunch there. Uh, you could have coffee there. You could enjoy the beauty of the lake. So to answer your question, Hannah, I think this is probably the most attractive solution. And it can be done 
I think for a reasonable cost. So anyway, that's <laughs> um, that's an important factor too. Yes, of course. <clears throat> um, as we're kind of nearing the end of our interview, I know we could talk about this topic for for quite some time, but I just wanna I wanna hit on a couple of things. How has the railroad impacted this whole thing? We kind of touched on it a little bit, um, and then of course, you know, you have Jim Law, and you know how that impact because there's not a lot of space out there right now. Um, I think that's something that our city is definitely looking at how can we work on Law Park as part of the waterfront project, also in conjunction with this project. So two totally different things, but um, I don't know if you can touch on that real quick. Well, there are some things that we can do uh, with the parts of Law Park that have a little more depth uh, to them. That is the space between uh, John Nolan Drive and the lake. One of the most exciting is to locate there um, the first building that Frank Lloyd Wright designed uh, after he got out of his big practice uh, with Louis Sullivan, and that was a beautiful boathouse mm-hmm. right at the end of King Street. And we could build that boathouse today as a big round building. Uh, I get excited because um, it really was one of the first buildings he did when he went into private practice in 1893, and then 900 feet to the west, you have one of the last buildings that Frank Lloyd Wright designed in his life, 1959. So just think about that. On a lake shore in Madison, Wisconsin, we could have two Frank Lloyd Wright iconic buildings 900 feet apart. I mean, no other city can make that claim. It would add beauty and drama uh, to that lake shore as nothing else could. Yes. Oh, so neat. So neat. And we have to talk about the causeway. Um, let's move into that key part of this whole puzzle. Um, and when we say causeway, it's that skinny little s- chunk of land that's got water on both sides. Yes. Um, and s- another key part of this puzzle was a man named William Wesley Peters, <clears throat> how it came to be in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Who was he? <clears throat> what was his vision? William Wesley Peters was a, an engineer trained at MIT. He got excited about Frank Lloyd Wright architecture and became one of his apprentices and very quickly his chief engineer. After Wright died in 1959, he became the leader of Frank Lloyd Wright's architectural practice. And in 1967, uh, he was hired uh, by the city of Madison to do something similar to the Nolan plan, everything from Machinery Row to Olin Park and Turville Point, actually. Anyway, it was a very exciting plan, and one of the things that he suggested for the causeway was to add some land on the lake side of the causeway so that pedestrians and bicyclists would have a safer, more beautiful way to get into the city. He had another cool idea, and that was to have little insets, little round insets along that new causeway land with big fountains that would shoot water up 120 feet. Uh, You know, when you think about that kind of uh, a feature, uh, adding to the drama of coming into John Nolan Drive, uh, it was one of the ideas that William Wesley Peters had. He was a visionary architect. Uh, He loved to have these big ideas. So we have those kinds of opportunities that really come from those kinds of historic plans, but were never implemented. So one of the opportunities, simply put, is to take a look at some of the things in that plan called the Monona Basin Plan and to see if we couldn't harness them and use them. What a cool process. But it's also, you know, you think about those ideas that we didn't use. And I'm sure there was good reason. There probably was other not good reason, but... 
as there is with any sort of design, you could design something in so many ways. And I think that that is why this is so intriguing. It totally depends on perspective, experience, um, the funding, all of these different things. And what a cool insight and, and perspective you've given us today, Dave. Um, anything else you want to add about John Nolan Drive, the reconstruction, the history? Um, and yes, you will have a second to talk about your book real quick. But I want to know. <laughs> but I and that's not why we had you on no. here. We had you on here for your brain and your your perspective because this is awesome. Anything else you want to add about this project? Well, there are a lot important? of things that are coming together uh, in time. We have uh, Monona, Monona Terrace that needs to expand, and they've already developed a plan that could become an integral part of this new lakeshore. We have the causeway that is now in the, in the, in the books. It, it's in the budget. Uh, for about 2022, 2023. We have the Alliance Project. Uh, so many things are happening that really all need to be looked at together in a comprehensive way, just as John Nolan and William Wesley Peters and others have suggested to us. And I guess I'd like to conclude by saying that I think that this whole Lake Monona waterfront concept, including the causeway, is probably one of the most exciting redevelopment opportunities of the 21st century. There you have it. Tell me about your book. Well, I wrote a book on Madison. It's called Madison, A History of the Formative Years. And I did it because when I came here as a graduate student in 1964, I said, what a beautiful town. How in the world did it manage to stay so nice for so long? Most <laughs> cities shoot themselves in the foot, you know, and right. do terrible things. And the answer I came up with after I decided to write the book was that Madison has had a series of visionaries who appear on the stage at just the right junctures of our history, and they have reminded Madisonians that we have a very special city here. We have a city on an isthmus, rare in the whole world, and that we need to take special steps to continue to enjoy its very special beauty. So that's a rare quality of cities that I think is impressive. And uh, that's kind of what the book's about. Yes. Oh, and you can find it. Well, it, the awesome. libraries have plenty of copies. Beautiful. Uh, thank you, Dave, so much. What a wonderful time we've had talking about what a cool topic in our history. We're, we talked about history, but hopefully we'll be making some more um, right. positive history in our community. You can check out updates and more by searching John Nolan Drive, City of Madison in Google, or on our city website, um, again, follow along on this John Nolan Drive reconstruction. There are a lot of pieces to this puzzle, other projects. Um, we'll have more podcast episodes and hopefully, again, new history to be made as we continue to work toward improving infrastructure here in the city. And as you drive on John Nolan Drive, don't forget to say thanks, John Nolan, because the beautiful view is because of him, as we are here for you every day in engineering. Thanks for joining us.